Welcome back to another edition of Down to the Wire again alongside my NHL analyst Nolan Tho. Nolan, uh, how are you doing this morning? Uh, you know, it was it was a rough morning. You know, you and I have discussed this, but you know, got up and I'm ready to ready to shoot the uh, down to the wire. I'm excited. You know, starting off with our headlines here on Tuesday, since we went over, uh, you know, last Monday's notes there with the trade deadline, Pavel Francouz, it was announced that he will not be making his uh, season debut. He's not returning this season out for the playoffs as well. So, you know, Colorado acquiring Devin Dubnik, uh, you know, that acquisition is looking better than ever, it seems like. No, exactly. You know, last year, Francois was, you know, a really solid kind of, you know, split starter with Grubauer. He kind of, you know, struggled with injuries last year, Grubauer did. And Francois was able to step in. And I, I think he was like, you know, 920 something, just, you know, really good numbers, you know, lots of wins. And then, you know, people are expecting the same this year, but, you know, he battled injuries himself, you know, this year. And, you know, unfortunate that he's not able to get back out there. But, you know, like you said, that Devin Dubnik, you know, acquisition, it looks better, especially now that Grubauer is going to be out for two weeks on the COVID list. Ben Sherratt made his, uh, you know, return to the lineup on Friday against the Calgary Flames for the Montreal Canadiens. And, you know, this is a great upgrade for the Habs. Uh, You know, their defense was looking really bad uh, without Sherratt. And, you know, they still have defensive issues with him in the lineup. So they obviously have to figure that out. But at least the Habs are getting healthier with the playoffs on the horizon. No, exactly. I feel like all the headlines that we've had, you know, regarding the Habs have been, you know, you know, Gallagher and guys like that, you know, going down and us talking about how they're going to have to have people step up. So, you know, it's nice to see them getting some of their guys back. It came out that the Vegas Golden Knights were close to acquiring Taylor Hall. So we can only imagine how big of an upgrade that would have been to their top six. No, exactly. You know, you think of Vegas and, you know, obviously Stone and Pacioretty, you know, their line with Chandler Stevenson is, you know, lethal offensively. Um, and then you got the William Carlson, Marchessault, Riley Smith line. I'm not sure how much they play it together, but I feel like Taylor Hall probably would have slot, uh, slid along, you know, the left wing with Carlson and Marchessault, maybe move Marchessault to the third line. But yeah, it just would have given Vegas, you know, that much more depth, that much more, of the, you know, firepower if they if they don't have enough already. Jeff Carter did a Zoom media availability with the Penguins and he was asked if he, you know, was intending on returning next season. And it came out that, you know, Jeff Carter did plan, you know, is planning on playing next season, which is, uh, you know, good news uh, for the Penguins since his contract is extended into, uh, you know, further uh, seasons. Yeah, you know, when they made that trade, I looked at his contract and, you know, it actually, he has a, I think, I think at least one more year after this left. And, uh, you know, with, with this, with this Penguins team, they only have a short window, you know, with the, you know, rest of the primes of, you know, Crosby and Malkin. So to have Jeff Carter along the ride, it's going to be good for them. The Red Wings uh, were not willing to move Philip Roenick, and I didn't think they were because I think Roenick actually leads, uh, you know, the defense in points, uh, you know, and I think he actually leads the team in points, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, that's such a young piece to the Red Wings there that, you know, I was very surprised to actually see come up in, you know, trade deadline news. Yeah, exactly. You know, I was surprised as well. Um, You know, Detroit, they ended up moving Mantha. That was a pretty big piece. But I I like that they kept Roenick just because I think he's a good, solid top four defenseman. It's just it's very hard to analyze these Red Wings just because they've been, you know, super bad for the last couple of years. But I think Roenick's just, you know, one of those guys who, you know, once their team starts to get better, I feel like he's going to get a lot more recognition, you know, league wide.
the CHL announced that the Memorial Cup has been canceled. And it's crazy to think that, you know, this tournament, uh, this high prestigious tournament ran through a, an actual world war. I think they uh, played through World War II or something like that. But now it's been canceled for two straight seasons. So, you know, and with the OHL not starting up, it doesn't look good for the uh, Ontario players looking to get drafted. Yeah, you know, you and I have just been talking all season about how, how it's been so unfortunate for the CHL guys, you know, especially the OHL guys. Uh, and I know you and I both are big, you know, big CHL fans and the Memorial Cups, you know, a great tournament every year, you know, just a lot of young talent and, you know, these games, they matter and it's just entertaining, but uh, it's going to be unfortunate that they can't, they can't have it run again uh, two years in a row. And one thing that actually is good news here is uh, apparently TSN is uh, buying the rights to CHL action. So depending on how TSN deploys their coverage, whether uh, hopefully it's not on TSN too, because I think you have to pay extra for that channel. Um, but yeah, I think the CHL is about to announce in the coming days that TSN is going to have their rights and, you know, this could fit in well with their world junior coverage. Yeah, you know, it kind of fits in. And I feel like, you know, in the, you know, winter months of the year, we always see the ads for the World Juniors on TSN, but now they can start to advertise, you know, these games kind of hyping up the World Juniors even more. And I, I think TSN is, you know, the perfect station to have, you know, these rights, because I feel like they'll do a good job of, you know, getting these prospects, these primetime games. Exactly. And, you know, I think the coverage is very important because, uh, you know, with every world junior roster that comes, everyone's like, okay, well, who's this player? Uh, how, you know, how has he been doing in their respective leagues? But now since uh, the rumor is that TSN's acquiring the rights, well, they'll have more background information on that player if they decide to tune into the games. Exactly. You know, you can't complain for more hockey on your TV. On Wednesday, Yuel Armia did a, his first uh, Zoom conference since suffering from COVID-19. Uh, he believes that he suffered from the UK variant of the coronavirus. So it seems to be the case that uh, the UK and the Brazil variant are both in the North Division. And he actually made his uh, debut back in the lineup as well. So that's another uh, addition to the Habs lineup that was up against the Flames. Yeah, no, exactly. We were, we were just talking about Sherratt and you know, now they got Armia back. I think he's another solid piece, you know, underrated, uh, especially, you know, he kind of had a rough start to his career. Uh, you know, I think he was drafted in the first round to the Jets uh, and then in, uh, he was drafted first round of the Sabres and then he was moved to the Jets in the Vander Kane Bogosian deal. Uh, never really worked out, but I feel like once he's gone to Montreal, he's been able to, you know, establish himself as, you know, a middle six or bottom six winger and he's, he's, he's been good so far. So a quick uh, interesting tidbit here is that on Wednesday, April 14th, uh, on, so on that day in 1996, Paul Korea, be Paul Korea became the first 50 goal scorer in the Anaheim Ducks history. So, uh, you know, just uh, thought, you know, some facts and uh, trivia to throw in there uh, because, you know, just like to switch something up here, here for once in a while. Yeah, not bad. I, I didn't even know Paul Korea had scored 50 goals in a season. I knew he was great, but, you know, 50 goals is an incredible feat. Jack Eichel is out for the rest of the season. He is seeking, uh, I think he's going undergoing season-ending shoulder surgery, so he should be ready for next season. Uh, you know, and the Sabres, like, they're playing really well right now, and that's mm -hmm. without Jack Eichel. So you throw him in the mix, and, you know, who knows? Maybe they can be better than what they are showing right now. 
Yeah, you, you know, you can look at that situation, but it also kind of pegs the question, you know, there's been Jack Eichel trade rumors this whole season. And, you know, at the start of the year, you would have thought the Sabres would be crazy to trade their superstar player. But, you know, now if people are actually watching these Sabres games, I feel like they have, you know, a little bit of energy that they haven't had in a, in a long time. And, uh, you know, Eichel's not in the lineup. So maybe it allows him to be a little more expendable. And maybe, uh, you know, the, the reason why the Sabres have so much energy is because they've been eliminated from playoff contention. And, you know, sometimes, you know, when you get eliminated from playoff contention, you let the younger guys uh, play more. So you play more loose. Uh, you know, you let the young guys dictate how your team style is going to be. And they can play spoiler. Like the Penguins are trying to chase the Capitals for first in, or I think they're trying to chase either the Capitals or the Islanders for one of the two top spots in the East division and the Sabres won that game yesterday. So, you know, the Sabres could be playing spoiler to a lot of these teams that are, you know, vying for uh, seeding positions. Yeah. I th they, they play, they play Boston three times this week as well. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Um, yeah. The, the whole culture I feel like has shifted, you know, with the firing of Ralph Kruger with this Sabres team, a guy like Casey Middlestat couldn't even get out of the bottom six with Ralph Kruger, but now he's, you know, having a, having a good couple of weeks. And uh, like you said, they're just kind of letting the young guys play. I think their second round pick from 2018, I'm not too sure on his last name, made his NHL debut last Matthias night. Matias Samuelson. And, yeah, Samuelson. They're just trying to, you know, get everyone in the lineup because, you know, this season's not going anywhere. So might as well give these guys some experience while they can. More news on the injury front. Ben Bishop and Alex Radulov are both done for the season for the Stars. And, you know, the Stars are actually quite hopeful for Tyler Sagan to make his debut. And I thought that's uh, very important because I know you have him stashed on your fantasy bench there uh, this whole season. And, you know, if they can get Sagan back in the lineup and, you know, although the Stars are might not make the playoffs, if they can at least see him play and evaluate him and, you know, if the fans can see some offensive uh, numbers to be put up by Sagan, then, you know, I guess uh, it, it would be a good end to the season. No, exactly. You know, last year, even though they made the Stanley Cup finals, it was kind of, you know, infamous that Tyler Sagan was having a rough go, you know, offensive production in that playoff. And, you know, it comes out, I think it was because of, he was, he was injured. And then, you know, he's obviously able to go get that surgery and hopefully, you know, me as a fantasy owner, and I think all stars fans alike, you know, are hoping to see him come back and be that, you know, Tyler Sagan of old that, you know, we would have been able to throw a superstar status on maybe. Jacob Bernard Docker made his NHL debut on Wednesday night. And, you know, that's just another young piece to the young core for the Ottawa Senators there showing him off. And, you know, I think he'll be great for them. Hopefully, uh, you know, Eric Branstrom seems to be getting in the lineup more. So, you know, they got him in the Mark Stone trade uh, with Vegas and so, you know, you got Branstrom and Bernard Docker uh, trying to get into the top four as best as they can. Uh, you also got Shabbat to build it around. So, you know, that defense core is taking shape. No, exactly. You know, they drafted Jake Sanderson fifth overall this year as well. You know, the, the Senators are going to be a scary team if, you know, everything, if everything goes according to plan in the next coming years. Just like with Buffalo, you know, Ottawa is letting a lot of their young guys play where they have been doing this all season. But, you know, now guys who, you know, who their college seasons are over, they're, you know, coming over and starting to make their debuts in the lineup. So let's just go over uh, JT Miller's comments because that obviously stole headlines there on Wednesday night. Mm -hmm. So he said, I don't feel ready if I'm being honest. It's kind of crazy. I know everyone has a job to do, but expect our, 
our entire team to be ready to play in one practice and pregame skate is a bit hard to comprehend. Uh, you know, he says that because it was announced that the Canucks were supposed to play on Saturday, but uh, or I think Friday, Saturday, and obviously that those were postponed. Uh, but yeah, those uh, comments had volumes around the league because that's what essentially made the Canucks uh, games got pushed back further, which is good because, you know, you obviously want to give a team enough time to recover, especially after a three week layoff with a virus that can, that has killed millions. And, mm -hmm. you know, with a variant being the Brazil is so dangerous. So, you know, I, I agree with Miller here. Uh, it takes a lot of courage to come out and say that against the NHL. And I'm glad that he gave an honest response. No. Yeah, me too. And I don't know about you. And obviously I'm not an NHL player, but if my, you know, hockey team hadn't practiced in a couple of weeks and, you know, I went on the ice, it would just feel a little weird just having not been there. So I couldn't imagine what these players are going through. You know, not, not only are they not being able to practice, but, you know, they're going through some scary stuff at home, you know, just trying to stay healthy, stay safe and, you know, seeing their family members around them, you know, getting sick because of this. It's just, you know, a rough, rough go the last couple of weeks for the Vancouver Canucks. And I feel like, you know, JT Miller kind of just sums it up. They, they weren't really ready to play right away. And I think, you know, the NHL, they ended up choosing to, you know, postpone those games. I think it was the right decision. On Thursday, Nicholas Backstrom played 1,000. He, you know, they celebrated his 1,000th game, but it was unfortunately the state, the Sabres that stole the headlines yeah. there as Dustin, as that was Dustin Tokarski's first win since 2015. Uh, you know, it sucks that the Capitals couldn't win one for, uh, Nicholas Backstrom there uh, during that game against the Sabres and you know like we just mentioned the Sabres are going to keep playing the spoiler role and you know that's what is so fun about this playoff race is that you know you can never underestimate these teams that have fallen out yeah no I think the Sabres got a lot of heart and you know it was emotional for Backstrom obviously a thousand games they wanted to get the win but like you mentioned Dustin Tokarski his first win since 2015 his first win since his father passing. So, you know, an emotional game for him as well. Uh, you know, congratulations to Dustin, Dustin to Tukarski. I know you're familiar with him. He played with the Habs, but you know, I remember him most as the, uh, I think, I feel like he's the Hamilton Bulldogs goalie when they were the AHL team for Montreal. So, you know, just, you know, love the guy and, you know, congratulations on his first win since uh, 2015. The Maple Leafs signed their, you know, 20 or sorry, not 2015, but 15th overall uh, top prospect in the 2020 draft, uh, Rodion Amarov to a three year entry level contract. Uh, you know, I'm not too sure how it plays out uh, since he's in the KHL right now. And, you know, I think he has to wait until his KHL contract is up uh, and then you have to work out the visa uh, to come and work in Canada. Uh, but yeah, uh, Rodion Amarov seems to be on uh, the way for the Leafs and just another uh, stud forward to add to their lineup. Yeah, um, you know, it, I feel like a lot of fans were surprised when the Leafs took, you know, a forward at 15 overall. They obviously traded Kasperi Kapanen to get that pick. And I feel like, you know, uh, you know, a lot of fans were expecting maybe defensemen at that spot. I remember I was with my buddy and I was hyping up Braden Schneider, you know, the right-handed guy, you know, he's just a big frame, you know, can move the puck. And I was saying, you know, they should take Schneider. And uh, he, he was on board with it. And then when they took, you know, Amarov, he was a little upset. But, you know, hopefully, you know, that can be remembered like a Chris Stapps Porzingis NBA draft moment where, you know, the fans kind of are upset when the pick is made. But, you know, in a couple of years, you know, no complaints about it at all. 
So on Thursday, on this day in 2019, the Kings defeated the Capitals 5-0 in Game 3 to win their first home playoff game in 10 years. Uh, Warren Fogle and Dougie Hamilton each scored twice. So obviously, uh, Fogle and Hamilton are still a part of the Kings. Uh, they're still part of that uh, you know, group there, that core there, that you know seems to be going to be in playoff contention for the next almost five, 10 years, five, seven years. And, you know, with the Canes being the Capitals, like that was a shock to everyone because the Canes went on to win that series. And, you know, I think a lot of people had the Capitals winning. Yeah, no, I, I know I did for sure. That was the year where all of the, you know, division winners lost in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, so it was a shock, you know, for everyone. And a lot of people, it was a, you know, kind of a year of the upsets. Uh, and the Canes at that time, you know, it was kind of like a nice little Cinderella run. They made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. But, you know, two years later, you look at the Hurricanes and, you know, they're a real threat in the Eastern Conference. You know, obviously with the division play this year, it's not Eastern Conference. But, you know, just a really great, you know, somewhat young core as well. You know, it, like you said, this team, hopefully if they can keep their core together, is going to be, you know, highly competitive for the next, you know, five to ten years. Tuka Rask made uh, 22 saves for his 300th NHL win, uh, 300th NHL career win against the Islanders uh, with a 4-1 victory there. And, you know, a lot of people are saying Jeremy Swayman should keep the net there, but a lot of credit goes to Tuka because, uh, you know, a lot of their success comes from him since, you know, the, without Hall, uh, you know, they lacked secondary scoring. Yeah, I think to grasp, you know, gives them the best chance to win. You know, they, they like I mentioned last week, you know, they got guys like Halak, you know, Vladar, Swayman, they can step in and, you know, have success just because, you know, the Bruins are super well built. But I think, you know, to grasp on a single game basis, you know, it gives you your best shot. And I think, you know, they kind of proved that last year, you know, when he stepped out of the bubble and they weren't able to beat the Lightning, uh, you know, when the year before Tukaras kind of, you know, helped them get to that game seven in the Stanley Cup finals. I think Tukaras kind of just, he, he, his career somewhat gets taken for granted. Um, just, you know, incredible stats and, you know, 300 wins is nothing to, you know, scoff at for an NHL goalie. Sidney Crosby scored a, you know, I guess a tremendous goal after getting uh, his stick from the equipment manager. And, you know, a lot of credit goes to equipment managers. Uh, you know, the Canucks honored their, uh, their own equipment manager uh, after 3000 games in the NHL. And, you know, a, a no one really recognizes uh, the equipment managers uh, simply because they aren't stars really but uh, you know shout out to him he got Crosby the stick and if you see if you guys see the replay Crosby points to him and you know just a what a goal in my opinion no exactly you always love to see the equipment manager get on the highlight reel uh, I, I saw the post on social media he like leans out you know gives Crosby a stick Crosby eventually goes and scores and when Crosby scored the whole bench kind of was just you know patting him gloves all around, you know, just a special moment for him, I'm sure. On Friday, the Habs called up Cole Caulfield and Caden Primo, but Caden Primo was on an emergency basis. Uh, but yeah, uh, it was a lot of hype around the Montreal Canadiens and calling up their top prospect, Cole Caulfield. However, uh, Caulfield can't play because the Montreal Canadiens have no cap space. And actually, if you factor in all the bonuses or, you know, Caulfield's contract, whatever's in it, uh, he actually makes um, like $1.08 million. So, and the Habs only have like $833,000 of cap space left. So uh, due to cap reasons, uh, there has to be an injury to put on LTIR. And even if you put a player that's day-to-day -day on LTIR, he's out for, I think, seven to 10 days. And that's when you can uh, return. 
So uh, Caulfield will most likely not be playing with the Habs this season. Uh, he joined the team to practice. And, you know, there's no harm in doing that since Laval yeah. was postponed due to the Marlies having a COVID outbreak. Yeah, you know, I think you mentioned it. I don't know if it was last week's episode or two weeks ago, but you said that, you know, the, the Laval Rocket had a little bit of a break and we thought that Cole Caulfield was going to get called up. Uh, you know, obviously, it'd be nice to see him getting in game action. I'm sure you as a Habs fan, you know, are very eager to see him playing. But, uh, you know, saw him playing the AHL. He looks special. And, you know, now practicing with the guys in the NHL, it, it, it's clear that, you know, they plan to have him, you know, playing on the NHL roster, I think, you know, night one of next season. The San Jose Sharks announced they are hosting fans for home games on April 26th. Uh, or starting April 26th, I should say, but uh, that's the that's when they're going to sell tickets. And, you know, the Blackhawks are actually the only USA team that has not announced fans in the stands, nor have they released any plans. Uh, so that's eight teams left that, you know, the seven Canadian plus the Blackhawks. Uh, so that's crazy. Like for the playoffs, we're going to have fans. And, you know, we, since we went the bubble without fans, like I've noticed, you know, without this pandemic, I probably wouldn't have noticed, but the fans play such a big role in momentum wise no exactly you know fans are a huge part of the game and i think it'll be nice to see them you know making somewhat of an impact in the playoffs obviously you know it's not you know sold out arenas but i feel like in the playoffs you know fans are going to understand that that energy is super important i feel like they're going to you know step up their game a little bit they've been back for the regular season you know in some arenas and you know it's trying to it's kind of just you know nice watching a regular season game but i feel like once it gets the playoffs that's when you're going to get, you know, the loud fans, you know, just trying to do everything they can to give their team an advantage. And who knows, maybe capacities will increase by the time we get to playoffs because the regular season did get extended because, you know, Colorado has an outbreak. Uh, we can mention the Canucks, uh, you know, schedule getting reworked there. Uh, but yeah, the, the schedule, uh, regular season schedule got extended by one week. So, you know, that allows for, you know, potentially more, uh, increased capacities in those American arenas since everyone's getting vaccinated down there. Yeah, it is unfortunate that the Dallas Stars are out on the are on the outside of the playoffs because you know maybe Texas government would allow them to have a full arena. You know, we we saw the Texas Rangers with forty thousand a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah, you know, hopefully we just start to see the numbers. You know, start to you know slowly climb them up. Nothing crazy, but if we can slowly get back to there, uh, especially with all these vaccinations, going to be uh, it's going to be really. And, you know, I th just to add there, like when you throw a health crisis in and you see, uh, you know, a state host a full stadium uh, with no with basically people that aren't wearing masks. But, uh, you know, and you go like it's just so crazy uh, how, uh, you know, a pandemic can change your whole perception of fans being in the arena. Yeah, you know, the pandemic has, you know, brought up a lot of things where, you know, you wouldn't have thought of it being an issue before, you know, I know, if I watch, you know, old sports highlights and just see fans, you know, full in the in the stadiums, you know, no masks, just, you know, especially if it's like a big shot or something in a basketball game, all the fans high fiving all around. Uh, it just kind of like makes you think it's like, no, that wouldn't have been allowed um, just because of the pandemic. But, you know, hopefully we start to get to see a little more normality in the stands. The Detroit Red Wings agreed to terms with Lucas Raymond on their entry-level contract. Again, another top prospect. He was drafted fourth mm -hmm. overall in the 2020 draft. 
Uh, he has 18 points in 34 games playing for Frolunda, which is a top team in the SHL. Uh, you know, you know, 18 points in 34 games may not be eye popping, but uh, he performed really well against uh, really well uh, with Team Sweden in the World Juniors. Five points in five games. Uh, you know, Frolunda, he's probably playing top line minutes. I didn't go as far as researching that, but uh, he is playing against men in that league. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, even 18 points in 34 games is solid just for, you know, a young player to be playing in like a men's league. Um, Lucas Raymond, I'm really excited for him as a prospect just because, you know, the Red Wings, especially now that they traded Anthony Mantha, you know, obviously they got Braun back, but I feel like there's kind of more of a hole on their wing than there was before. And, you know, uh, I'd like to see maybe next season Lucas Raymond, you know, stepping in, being an impact, you know, middle six winger to start his career and you know obviously working his way to being you know an elite you know top six forward adam lowry cashed in uh, this week signing a five times 16.25 million dollar contract so it's a 3.25 uh, million aav and he has 20 points this season 10 points last season in 49 games so obviously a huge increase uh you know he's been such a great uh you know scoring line i guess with andrew cop there uh, I'm forget- I think it's Matthew Perot as well, the Lowry Cop and Perot line. Um, I could be wrong, but you know Andrew Cop and uh, you know Adam Lowry have just been have had chemistry on a third line. You know people usually uh, designate a third line as a checking rule, but you know this is yeah. you got. But with the Jets, you got three straight lines with good scoring, and you know the Jets could be a force to uh, reckon with in the playoffs. No, exactly. I, I think if you look at this contract, anybody who thinks that 3.25 is an overpayment, I think they're just wrong because Adam Lowry does so much for this Jets team. You know, he's a great guy on the draw, you know, good faceoffs guy, can kill penalties. And, you know, this season we we hadn't seen this before, but, you know, when they were waiting for Pierre-Luc Dubois to come in and they had a couple injuries as well, he, he kind of stepped into that top six. You know, him and Cop both, I think, got some opportunities to play with guys like Wheeler play with guys like Ehlers and uh, play with Shifley and you know he, he proved that he could be very solid offensively as well so I think you know just to keep him for another five years it's a really solid deal for the Jets and you know Adam Lowry staying there. Linus Olmark is week to week with a lower body injury so you know with Dustin Tokarski uh, you know gonna get the majority of the starts but that leaves the question when does the top prospect goalie for the Sabres Uka Pekalukanen uh, make his debut uh, for the Sabres, obviously. So, uh, you know, that hopefully that question will be answered this week. Um, you know, like you mentioned, the Sabres play Boston three times. So maybe they throw UPL in the ten, in the net there as attendees. So, uh, you know, I, I do expect some at some point that UPL will make his debut. Yeah, exactly. You know, me as well. Uh, you know, Dustin, Dustin Tokarski, he's obviously playing, you know, decently well right now. And it's a nice story. However, you know, him him getting starts as I'm not sure. I'm sure he's in his mid mid 30s. It's not doing much for the future. But you want you want to get Uka Pekalukanen, you know, not just because he has an amazing name, uh, but he's just a good prospect as well. You want to get him behind the net just and kind of see what he can do at an NHL level. And, you know, they're, they're playing solid teams as well. So it'll be a real test. You know, if you, if you throw him in his first career game against a guy like, you know, Bergeron, Pasternak and Marchant, you know, Taylor Hall as well, you know, it's going to be a real test and to see if he can be the goalie of the future for them. 
Dylan Holloway, uh, Cole Caulfield's teammate and linemate at Wisconsin, mm-hmm. signed his entry-level contract with the Edmonton Oilers. And uh, I believe Holloway's still injured with his broken thumb. Uh, I'm not too sure uh, if he is expected to make a recovery this season or if he's out for the rest of the season. Uh, but he had two points in six games at the World Juniors. And he obviously showed off at Wisconsin. I completely forgot to write his numbers down, but... Uh, you know, and, and anyway, like Holloway is still a stud of a player. And, you know, the Oilers just called up Ryan McLeod, who is point per game in the AHL. So who knows? Maybe they uh, it's all part of the Holland plan. And, you know, if I have Ken Holland as my GM, well, I'm going to trust what he's doing. Yeah, exactly. I think what the Oilers, uh, you know, lacked in the last 10 to 15 years when they had been unsuccessful is just kind of a lack of patience with their prospects. Um, they kind of just tried to rush everyone into the lineup as soon as they could, I felt. And, you know, for a lot of guys, it stunted it stunt their growth. And, you know, we, we've been super patient with these, uh, you know, prospects. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, Ryan McLeod, he was drafted in uh, 2017, 2018, so a couple of years ago. And he hasn't even – 2018, and he hasn't played in the NHL yet. So I think, you know, the Oilers, you know, just within the organization have, you know, gotten a lot more experience, you know, especially with Ken Holland coming in. Uh, and it's just nice to see, you know, this slower development and these players, you know, they're actually, you know, stepping into the lineup and being NHL players, you know, in, in their first game and not not having to, you know, make that adjustment period as, as, as long as it used to be. On Saturday, Shane Pinto made his NHL debut against Montreal, uh, you know, and, and while I was watching the game. He was making, you know, really great defensive plays, making sure his stick was in the correct lane. He even got some penalty kill time. So, you know, when you're making your debut, you don't really expect to play much of the game at all. But, you know, DJ Smith has a lot of trust in him. And with uh, with right, um, you know, right intentions there, uh, he I think Pinto earned the trust. He had a stick in the lane on the penalty kill. Uh, he had actually a couple good chances. He was all over the puck, man. And, you know, Montreal came out flat. And, uh, you know, I didn't really think it was allowed in the CBA, but I guess you're allowed to play two games under 24 hours. Uh, so there's that, uh, especially on a back-to-back. But, yeah. um, you know, Ottawa, they won 4 nothing. Shout out to Montreal Canadiens. And, uh, you know, it was also announced that Brendan Gallagher does not need surgery. So, that's huge because if Brendan Gallagher needed surgery, that would have probably costed him the playoffs uh, at this yeah. point. So, uh, you know, it, it's good news for Montreal as they look to uh, hopefully not get caught by the Flames. Yeah, no, exactly. And, you know, they're looking at playing uh, Toronto. And I feel like if, if you're going to have any chance of beating Toronto in the first round, Brendan Gallagher needs to be in your lineup. He just, you know, brings a lot to the brings a lot to the lineup, especially against that Leafs team. As for Shane Pinto, yeah, great, great debut. You know, you know, if I was a Senators fan, you know, you couldn't ask for a lot more. You know, you saw him in a lot of different roles, like you mentioned on the penalty kill. He was able to get an assist on a empty net goal. Uh, you know, just he, he, he just brought a lot of energy, and it's a, another exciting piece for the Senators' future. Brandon Sutter had quite the, uh, I guess, quite the loud quote. I, I'm forgetting the word here, but I, you know, it was it was mind blowing because he he spoke on his COVID. Uh, experience. And he said, I had it. My wife had it. My two kids had it. Luckily, my kids passed it with flying colors. And he actually pointed out that his wife is 24 weeks pregnant. Uh, So hopefully the baby doesn't have any side effects or anything like that. But, uh, you know, definitely not not good. Like that's not good news. And, you know, with someone who Brandon Sutter made his, uh, you know, 
made his return to the lineup after this outbreak and I'm glad that he's okay or you know doing better than some other some other guys on the team yeah you know it's just tough you know imagining imagining a whole family having to go through it because you know of their dad's you know work in the NHL um and the scariest part about it like you mentioned you know the wife was pregnant you know when when females go through pregnancy it's kind of just you know they try to keep their bodies as you know pure and healthy as they can you know not drinking or doing any drugs or anything like that uh, to damage the baby. And, you know, I, I'm just wondering how a virus like this, you know, could, could impact that. So hopefully, you know, the baby comes out healthy and lives, lives a great life, but, you know, definitely a scary situation. Pierre Lebrun said during the Habs intermission that he doesn't uh, expect Philip Deneau to sign a contract extension. And, you know, there's two different philosophies. Uh, Philip Deneau's point of view is he expects to be paid uh, like a first line centerman, whereas Montreal is uh, growing and developing Suzuki and Kakanyemi as their top two centers. So, uh, you know, so they see Deneau as a third line center. Um, but yeah, those are the two perspectives that are going on. And, you know, Philip Deneau could hit the UFA market uh, or maybe Seattle takes him. Uh, you know, I think Montreal will go with signing Tatar over Deneau simply because of the center depth they have. You know, they have Jake Evans on the bench uh, or on the taxi squad. They have Ryan Paling, who's been doing really well in the AHL. And who knows, maybe Montreal drafts another centerman this draft. Yeah, you know, Philip Deneau, I feel like if he's looking for this money, it's probably not in Montreal, uh, just because, you know, they, they they don't have a lot of money to spend. You know, they also have guys to resign, and in the coming years, they're going to have guys coming off their, you know, entry-level deals wanting to get paid. Um, so for Deneau, you know, a, a solid two-way guy, you know, great, great, great center in terms of a two-way game. You know, he was a, you know, borderline Selkie candidate last season, uh, and he's having a solid year as well this year, but... um. Yeah, if he can hit that UFA market and get his contract, you know, just I, I'm sure you would be happy for him as a Habs fan, just seeing him able to go get that first line center money that, you know, he's looking for. Michael Delzato uh, accomplished 700 career NHL career games. And there's kind of an interesting story to this because as I was scrolling through Twitter or just the day after, uh, you know, he came out to the Columbus media saying that, uh, you know, he, he like his bags were already packed and he was basically expected to get traded and he was refreshing Twitter, uh, uh, you know, waiting for, uh, you know, a team to come trade for him. But, uh, you know, that, and that's just kind of like a sad way to go about yeah. it because obviously he's been flipped around a lot of teams uh, to this point and, you know, it's just crazy to think that that's some that's a way that someone would go around spending their trade deadline and you know luckily for him he stayed in Columbus yeah um yeah I'm not sure if he wanted to be traded to a contender you know he won the cup with the Blues in 2019 uh he was just a part of that team you know not on their like main you know top six but he was a part of their depth team uh you know for Michael Delzato it's just like yeah like you mentioned it's just it's just a rough go and I, I imagine that was a tough day for him you know just having you know your bags packed and at any second you could be traded you know halfway across the country uh just to a different team with guys you've never met with a coach you've never played for um so hopefully you know he enjoys playing in Columbus and it's, it's good that he's you know able to stay there and get to 700 games Patrick Marlowe tied Gordie Howe's record of all-time games played on Friday with 1,767, and that's a, that's a lot. Like, you, you think, you know, playing 700 games is a lot. Well, how about playing 1,700? Like, uh, you know, this guy has been through 
I think is this is his 24th season or something like that. Uh, but he can break the record tonight, Monday night, as we're recording this. Yeah. Uh, San Jose is playing Vegas, and uh, you know I might just uh, flip on the game just to see if there's yeah. a ceremony. But uh, man, you know he was traded to Toronto, trying to win a cup. Uh, it's sad. It's kind of sad in a way that Marlowe may go down as this, you know, long time, long tenured player and never win a cup. Yeah, no, hundred percent. You know, Patrick Marlowe has a legendary career and I think he does make the hall of fame. Obviously, you know, most games played in the, uh, you know, NHL history, you know, he'll probably break it tonight. Um, and, you know, Olympic medals, you know, success. He's also had, you know, great seasons in the NHL, but you know, the one thing that's kind of plagued his career is just, you know, no Stanley cup, you know, him and Joe Thornton both, you know, weren't able to do it in San Jose. And, you know, now Joe Thornton is in Toronto, uh, Patrick Marlowe back in San Jose. Uh, yeah, just an incredible feat. And when you look at the career of Gordy Howe, you know, Gordy Howe played a long, long time into his fifties. Uh, so for Patrick Marlowe to be able to, you know, potentially pass him is, is crazy in the modern day. So on Sunday, uh, on this day, on Sunday, uh, in 1999, speaking of players that are retired or are going to retire soon. Wayne Gretzky tallied his 2,847th final NHL point to end his, uh, you know, illustrious career there uh, as he played his final game with the New York Rangers. And it's, it's crazy because Gretzky only appeared in like 4,000 games. So when you compare that or not 4,000, but uh, maybe 4, it was 14, it, it may have been 1400, but it, uh, you yeah. know, I was looking at quanthockey.com. That's the website that, you know, it's a great database for uh, stats as, you know, they it, great website. Yeah. I, I would check it out. Uh, but I think he's like 14th on the list or something like that. Uh, there's only three active players that are on the first 50 on that page. So, uh, you know, for all times game played, this is, and um, so those players are obviously Patrick Marlowe, Joe Thornton, like you mentioned, and actually he's a Dano Chara. So out of the top, you know, first 50 that are on that page, only three are active, which is actually kind of crazy. Yeah, you know, just in terms of you talk about longevity and, you know, the the seasons are longer now as well. You know, 82 games, you know, uh, weren't that much shorter, you know, back in the day. But, you know, some some of these players that y you and I are used to be seeing, you know, on our TV screens, I'm sure they're going to start to make their way up in the list. Uh, you know, as for Wayne Gretzky, I found it fitting that he retired in 1999, you know, the great one, number 99, uh, just a, you know, amazing career. And he was able to celebrate it that night, you know, getting his final point in the final game. Nolan Foote made his NHL debut for the Devils. And if you guys uh, don't remember, he was actually acquired in the Blake Coleman trade uh, with the Tampa Bay Lightning. So uh, obviously the Lightning could part ways with that prospect. Uh, you know, Foote, he is, uh, you know, kind of talked about as, uh, you know, he has a great shot. We saw him do that at the World Juniors back in 2019 uh, as Canada won gold there. Um, but yeah, Nolan Foote, great. He, got, he actually got his first NHL point uh, with the Devils. So uh, you know, and the Bolts won the cup in 2020. So it seems as though both teams uh, came away with a win in that Blake Coleman trade. Exactly. You know, I was just about to say that. I feel like this is, you know, a, a good hockey deal. And, you know, in coming seasons, it's going to start to look like both teams were able to win from it. You know, Blake Coleman, you know, was was a part of, you know, what actually pushed the Tampa Bay Lightning in this current core, you know, to actually go and win that Stanley Cup. And then as for New Jersey, you know, they got not only Nolan Foote, but a first round pick. So essentially two, two first round picks for Blake Coleman, you know, not a bad haul. And, you know, Nolan Foote, 
great shot. You know, we saw it in the world juniors, just, you know, at, at that age, he was making some incredible looks, uh, you know, just putting the thread in the needle. Um, and, you know, hopefully he's a good piece for the devils moving forward. Bram Marchand reached 700 career points. Uh, he became the ninth player to record 700 points with the Bruins and actually the fifth fastest to do so, uh, you know, Ber not Bergeron, but Marchand, who's a part of the Bergeron and Pasternak perfection line there in Boston. Uh, you know, it seems as though whenever you look at the score sheet and you see Marchand or one of the three, Marchand, Bergeron, or Pasternak score, it seems as though the other two are always on the ice doing something to uh, get, you know, contribute to that goal. Yeah, exactly. You know, the chemistry that that line has is unreal. And, you know, now with getting Taylor Hall, it allows them to play together in the Bruins become even you know that much more scary brad marchand I'll, I'll always think brad marchand's career is interesting because you know he, he was a solid player you know obviously you know was a solid you know top forward in that 2011 cup run for the bruins but you know was never you know a superstar or anything until you know his later years and he's kind of blossomed into this you know aging superstar uh you know for the bruins and he's been able to be an incredible player you know and congrats to him you know for getting 700 career points you know all with the all with the same team and you also believe that he kind of had a come out year uh, during the World Cup of Hockey as well, right? Yeah, no, I, I believe that for sure. I think that gave his career a little bit of a kickstart that it needed. He was playing with Bergeron and Sidney Crosby on that line. And, you know, I feel like once he realized that he could keep up in that element, you know, he, he went out and he had a great year. I think he had like 90 something points, you know, the following season. Uh, he had 100 as well, I think, in, in one of the recent years. Uh, so, you know, just Brad Marchant you know, incredible player and, you know, uh, a, a budding, budding superstar at, at an older age, you know, it, you, you don't see it very often, but, you know, Brad Marchand, the interesting case. Vitaly Kravtsov scored his first NHL goal, and this time it actually counted against the same team, the New Jersey yeah. Devils. Uh, and if you guys remember, he scored, uh, you know, before, but it got challenged back, I think, because of offside. So, uh, you know, hats off to Kravtsov. Uh, no, no rhyme there. I didn't, I did I thought that on the top of my head. Uh, yeah, that's, but, <laughs> uh, that's like going to be a pun. The New York Rangers social media will definitely be using when he scores his first career hat trick. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, unfortunate that he was able to, that his first goal was called back. Uh, you know, you, you don't want to see him go on a slide after that, you know, you know, mind games that can get into a player's head. Uh, but, you know, a phenomenal feed, I think it was from Brett Howden, you know, he was able to just see Kratzov, you know, just by himself, you know, on the right side and, you know, pass it and Kratzov just had a hard shot. Uh, Mac Black couldn't save it. Uh, you know, ni nice, nice to see, you know, these prospects starting to turn, turn things around for the Rangers. Vancouver beat Toronto uh, on their first game back from the COVID outbreak. And, you know, of course it was Toronto to lose, right? And, you know, uh, no other team that could do it better than the Toronto Maple Leafs. And you know, hats off to Vancouver. They played such a great game. Uh, you know, Braden Holpe and his Cujo goal save. I mean, that, that photo needs to get framed in some living room. <laughs> Uh, because man, oh man, with nine and a half left in the third, you could argue that was a game-changing save, a Tim Beller right there. Uh, yeah, I love that game. Uh, I was very ecstatic to see Vancouver win because I hate the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, yeah, so, and obviously, William Nylander scored his 100th goal. Shouldn't leave that out of the picture there, but, you know, it would go to the headlines for Vancouver for beating Toronto. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, their first game back and they look at the schedule and they have to play the number one team in their division, a team that's, you know, beaten them, beaten the crap out of them before. I think, you know, a little daunting for them, but, you know, they brought the right attitude and, you know, everything just seemed to go well for the Canucks after being down two nothing, you know, obviously not the start they wanted, but Hopi just, you know, played really great this game. And, you know, he was the reason that they were able to win this, you know, had he have, you know, had a bad game, it could have gotten out of hand early, but, you know, they were able to, you know, finish the comeback, you know, Bo Horvat with two goals and assists, great game for the captain and just, you know, a great game for Vancouver and, you know, Leafs fans, they'll try to forget this one, you know, put it added to the list with the uh, other games that, you know, they, they, you know, refuse to believe ever happened. Well, before we get to Pegs' predictions, let's go through, uh, you know, Zach Hogan's power rankings for the North Division. So first overall, uh, first place, uh, he has the Edmonton Oilers. Second, he has the Winnipeg Jets. Third, he has the Toronto Maple Leafs. And fourth, he has the Montreal Canadiens. Fifth, he has the NHL or the Calgary Flames. It's the NHL Flames on Twitter. Uh, sixth, he has the Ottawa Senators. And at seven, he has the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, you know, I, I'm very surprised to see uh, the Leafs fall behind the Jets and Oilers. But I mean, you know, they've been on a skid. Campbell has lost his last three starts. He's got pulled. Uh, the Jets were the better team on, on I think it was Saturday night uh, or, you know, Wednesday night, whatever. Um, but you know, great to see your Oilers reclaim a top spot there in his power rankings for the North division. He sees it as an Oilers halves matchup and then uh, for the playoffs and then uh, Jets and Leafs. And, you know, I think Jets and Leafs would be quite an intriguing playoff matchup. Yeah. You know, a couple of years ago, you had you have said Jets and Leafs, you would have thought, you know, line A and Matthews, you know, that those would have been the storylines. However, you know, I think it's just two really solid teams within the division. Now it'd be nice to see them play in the playoffs. But like you mentioned, you know, the Leafs, even though they're still first in the North Division, people aren't realizing that they've had a little bit of a rough go in the last month. Uh, you know, I feel like that's been kind of shadowed by the fact that, you know, Campbell did have that, you know, 11 game win streak to start the season, you know. Uh, but yeah, there's a little bit of error, you know, with this Leafs team and, you know, they're going to have to fix it before playoffs because, you know, it, they're a hot and cold team and, you know, you, you don't want to be cold heading into the playoffs. You know, that's, that's the worst case scenario. Moving on to Pegs' predictions here. Uh, so this is for Tuesday's games. Uh, you know, I have the Sabres over the Bruins, uh, Penguins over the Devils, Islanders over the Rangers, Lightning over the Hurricanes, Panthers over the Blue Jackets, Red Wings over the uh, Stars, Canucks over the Leafs, and the Kings over the Ducks. Yeah, would you ever... Th- would you ever have thought you'd be picking the Sabres over the Bruins this season, you know, a couple months ago? Uh, probably not. I'll go with the Bruins over the Sabres. Even though I like picking the Sabres, I just feel like the Bruins are a really solid team. I'll go with the Penguins over the Devils as well. Um, I'll go with the Islanders over the Rangers. That's It's been an interesting matchup. I feel like they've kind of split the season so far. Uh, you know, maybe we see them in the playoffs if the Rangers are able to squeak into that fourth spot. Um, I'll go with the uh, I'll go with the Hurricanes over the Lightning. Um, I'll go with the Panthers over the Blue Jackets. I'll go with the Red Wings over the Stars as well. The Red Wings are just kind of a weird team to predict. You know, sometimes they do look like, you know, the Detroit Red Wings that you expect to see, but, you know, sometimes they're able to, you know, pull out a win that, you know, no one sees coming. I'll go with the Leafs over the Canucks. I don't think they do it two nights in a row. Um, you know, they definitely could. Uh, they're the Leafs, but I, I feel like, you know, the anger from last night and a little bit of humiliation will, you know, fuel the Leafs to have a solid game tonight. And I'll go with the Kings over the Ducks as well. Well, I'd like to thank again Nolan Thode for joining me on another edition of Down to the Wire.
It's always a pleasure, Fags.